Good morning, family. Morning. Good to be with you this morning. What a wonderful thing it is to sing about the wonderful love of Jesus. I want to begin this morning by sharing a small story. I have a picture that you can look at the screen. It's coming. On January 13th, 2012, this Italian cruise ship Costa Concordia made the headlines all over the world. This ship was getting too close to shore when it hit an underwater rock off Isola del Giglio. I don't know if we have Italian people here. I'm sorry for the way I pronounce it, but I know it was in Tuscany. Exactly that. This ship, it ran aground, capsized, and later sank in shallow waters. This incident resulted in 32 deaths and nearly $2 billion worth of financial loss. So when we talk about ships, sailing in shallow waters is dangerous stuff. And when we talk about Christianity, a shallow faith is also dangerous. Like this ship... It sets people up for the greatest disaster and results, ultimately, in life loss. So this morning, I believe that God wants us to remind that following Jesus is a serious thing. This message series that started last week with Pedro that shared so brilliantly about the importance of going deeper in our faith, this message series, River Deep, is an invitation to go deeper in the things of God. And while the gospel, the message of Christ, is simple enough that even a child can understand, I remember that I was about six years old when someone told me the story about Jesus, and I accepted it. I embraced it. I understood what it meant. But now, after following Jesus for quite a few years, I can acknowledge that there is nothing really shallow in being a Christian. I want us to read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the first three verses of this chapter, they say, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. Now the Bible talks about milk and solid food in reference to our spiritual growth. When we first come to Christ in faith, we begin our journey with milk. We begin with the basic things of the gospel. We, we have our questions sorted out, as Yeva said. We have so many things going on, and we start with the very foundational aspects of the faith. But as we grow, as we mature, we are introduced and we are move on to solid food. We dig deeper into scripture. We learn more and more about God and about ourselves. But sometimes, though, Christians are not that interested in solid food. Sometimes babies, because they're so used to breast milk or to formula... You, parents have a hard time introducing them to vegetables and to soups and purees and to rice and different things because it's, it feels too much right in the beginning. 
But after a while, we know as parents that that's the way that we can bring up children that are healthy. But sometimes Christians are content to keep living on spiritual milk. And Paul addressed this problem right here in this letter to the Corinthian church. Because people weren't willing to go deeper in their faith. And because of that, their behavior was not consistent with the gospel. And many of them, as Paul is saying, they lived like the rest of the world. They were filling the church with so many problems and with sinful behavior. If you go read this letter at home, 1 Corinthians, you see exactly that. Everything that was happening in the church. So let me ask you personally this morning, where are you at in your faith journey? There is nothing wrong in having to rely on spiritual milk because you might have a young faith. But, in if, you, but if you have been feeding on the bare essentials for too long, what's going to happen is you're going to stop growing. And there are many reasons why Christians choose to keep their faiths on a shallow level. And many times, they're not even so, so conscious about how, how they are doing it. Maybe they're too busy with what is going on in their world and the things that are going on in their work life and things that are going on in their material world. And everything that is spiritual all of a sudden seems so unimportant. But don't forget this. Tomorrow can be too late to turn your ship around. We need to allow the gospel not only to convict us on an intellectual level, but we need God to make the gospel change things on a spiritual level, on a much, much deeper level. So let's look today on how we can move on from a shallow faith to a profound and a meaningful faith. Do we have scientists here in the room? Is anyone here a scientist? We have one? Okay, we have a scientist. Do you mind to come here? Yeah? Good. Give her a round of applause. I'm not going to ask what kind. And also Italian. Perfect. Only God could have orchestrated things like that. Okay. But uh, I wanted to have, as a scientist, in your, um, the way that you work, if I introduce you exactly where you stand, but looking at this, whatever this is, what can you tell me about it? It's a guitar. It's a guitar. You're sure of that? Okay. What else can you say about it? Uh, there are chords, and um, it's, I mean, just the aspect, I would say. Yeah, it's brown, and um, I'm a scientist, not a musician, so. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. That, that's, that's what we do. Basically, if you can, as a scientist, you can, what you're doing right now is examining it, right? From, from what you can see. Um, can, do you mind if you can pick, pick it up for me, please? Hey, who, who can play? Who knows? Uh, but now that you are free to touch it and move it around, maybe even doing something like that, right? <laughs> what, what else? What, are you able to get more information now from the guitar than you were previ previously able to? I can judge the weight, for okay, example. Well, is, it, is it heavy or light? Um, it is heavier than I was expecting, for example, because, uh, yeah, this part, this bar, it's much heavier. And, um, yeah, 
there is also, you can feel it that uh, the weight is, is unbalanced, so this part is more, um, it's heavier weight than this one. Of course, this one, it has to be light because it has to produce uh, the, the, sound. the sound. Yeah. And, and how is it to your touch? Is it smooth? Is it rough? It's very smooth. Yeah, it's very pleasant to have it in the hands, I have to say. It, it costs 5,000 euros, so we need to be careful. No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So I, want us, I wanted us to do this exercise in order to understand something that we're going to read from Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. So we're looking today, how can we move on from a shallow faith to a profound, meaningful faith? And Ephesians 3.18 says, And I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love. How wide and how long and how high and how deep that love is. So how can we go deeper in our faith? And according to Paul, according to the Word of God, we need to understand the greatness of Christ's love. And how do we do it? By examining it from all angles. And the, re the reason is this. We cannot live something that we cannot understand. As Christians, we cannot live a faith that we do not understand for ourselves. We cannot find true life living a one-sided aspect of the gospel and of Christ's love. As Paul said, we need a 3D. We need a 360-degree comprehension of the gospel that we claim to live. The same way that I can look at this guitar and there are aspects that I can draw on from it. I can see that it's a guitar if I'm familiar with it. I can see it has metal cords. I can see so many, but I don't understand the, the heaviness. I don't understand the materials that they chose to build it. I, there's so much that I need to learn, but I need to get closer to it. I need to pick it up. I need to see it from all angles. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to us this morning. In order for us to overcome a shallow faith, we need to fully understand the greatness of the love of Christ that we claim to follow. And these are the questions that I want us to answer from the Word of God. And let's start with the first one. How wide is the love of Christ? And I, I got this passage in my heart in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. That says... There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ's love is wide enough to embrace anyone and make everyone one in Christ Jesus. Back in Paul's world, it mattered who you were. It mattered how you were born. It mattered a lot, in fact. It influenced your upbringing. It influenced your opportunities in life, your value, your education, your rights. It influenced everything. It would be a victory to be able to say that we as modern societies no longer uh, work that way. But while we have come a long way, discrimination, bigotry, and inequality still exist in the world today. 
But what Paul is saying here is, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what you did or what someone did to you. God's love for you is so great that you are unconditionally loved by him. God love, God's love for you is so big, so wide, that he's inviting you to be part of his family because of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. Jesus came for everyone, literally everyone. And But knowing that God loves us, knowing that God loves everyone, and this is a foundation for the gospel, does this mean that he accepts everything that people do? The Bible also shows that while he loves everyone, he does not delight in all of us equally. God is holy. And in his holiness, he hates sin. God hates the practice of sin. Sin is every expression of everything that God is not. Now, many Christians, we use this expression, God hates the sin... But God loves the sinner. It probably comes from the fact that Christ loved us and died for us while we were still sinners. And this is true. This is what the word of God says. And we want to make sure that people understand God's perfect justice. That it coexists with his perfect love. But this expression alone has two problems. One, people still get offended. Today's culture easily identifies a person's identity with their actions. Telling a person today that God hates their sin is equivalent to telling them that God hates them. And second, it admits that one day God will judge both sin and sinners alike. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 4, don't you know how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Christ's wide love for us, that is true, doesn't wipe out God's holiness and righteous justice. So how should we present Christ's wide love for people? By doing what it says in John 13, 34. Jesus said, now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Instead of judging people's sins, when we respond with kindness, with compassion, with patience, with forgiveness and love, we demonstrate to the world something that the world cannot offer. We give something that the world has never seen before. We become a reflection of God's love in a dark and lost world that is filled with hatred and with sin. So while, yes, God is going to judge sin and sinners alike in, in one day, but our message and what we are called to do is to love one another. 
What we are called to do is show God's wide love for everyone. A love that does not discriminate. A love that has no bigotry. A love that is not unequal. A love that came for all. So when the world sees us, they need to see Christ's love. And they need to see us loving and forgiving sins just like Christ did. Second question for today, how long is the love of Christ? Have you thought about it? How long is the love of Christ? Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The final verse of this beautiful psalm, Psalm 23, this prayer says, Surely your goodness, Lord, your love will be with me all my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The world understands love as a fleeting feeling. You love someone, you act on it as long as you feel it, and if you stop feeling it, it's time to leave. Now imagine if that was also God's understanding of love. One day God would love us, another day God would hate us. One day we would be enjoying God's loving presence and grace, another day he would turn his back on us, not answering the phone calls or messages. We thank God that his love is not like the love that the world can produce. And David knew, the author of this psalm, he knew how long the love of God is. It's a love that would be with him all of his life. A love that is consistent, never ending, never changing. And in your walk with God, nothing you can do can make God love you more. Nothing you can do can make God love you any less. God loves you. Period. So every time this voice that comes to our minds and in our hearts that says, you don't deserve God's love. God is ashamed of you. You are too much of a sinner. I can choose to trust in God's long love for me. I don't have to live in fear that one day God is going to tell me, Reuben, enough is enough. I've had enough of you. Not going to love you anymore. Only when we're able to understand this truth, we can be free of all fear and walk right in the presence of God with confidence, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And this matters, and it matters a lot, because we're flawed human beings. We sin a lot. I don't want to tell you my sins because I don't want to be embarrassed right in front of everyone. But I know that you also sin. And you don't, we don't want our sins to be exposed. Imagine if that was our reaction towards God. But I know and we know because the love of God is so long that it doesn't matter what we do. We're always welcomed in the presence of God, not because of our actions, but because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And this is a truth of the gospel. But does this mean that because he remains faithful, I am free to be unfaithful? 
just because I belong to God forever and I will live in his house forever, is it a free pass for me to live however I want to live? The Bible says in John 15, words of Jesus Christ, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And if you look into this, this parable in the word of God, we, we know that when we got saved, we were grafted in the vine, in the true vine that is Jesus. And in his goodness and his love flows through this connection that we have with him. But Jesus clearly says... That every branch in him, people that are connected to him, that bear no fruit, they will be cut off. It's not that the Father has pleasure in doing that, but people themselves are setting their lives up to being cut off by bearing no fruit. At some point, because there, will, are, there is no fruit in, in the branches, they will be cut off. And John 15, ver, continuing in verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. The purpose of the branch, the purpose of our lives in Christ is to bear fruit. And this fruit can represent so many things as it can represent the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. What we read in Galatians 5, for example. But in order to bear fruit, we need to remain in Jesus. A relationship with God is a mutual relationship. It's not a one-way street. Just because God's love is so long, it doesn't mean that we can live however we want to live. We need to choose to remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus is deciding to do things which reinforce our connection to him. Doing everything we can to keep ourselves in constant contact with him. A decision that we need to do daily and constantly. So let me ask you and let me let me ask myself how is my connection with God how are, are how are we remaining in Jesus how are we working to build this relationship to be this as close as possible for the life of Christ so that the love of Christ so that the profound things of God can flow through this relationship it's a responsibility that the gospel gives us with the privilege that is to be grafted in Jesus. Yes, I'm grafted in him. I belong to him. I'm part of the true vine. We celebrate. But we need to remain in him. We need to remain in Jesus. Third question for today. How deep is the love of Christ? 
What is Paul saying when he tells us, you need to know how deep Christ's love for you is? What is that? Let's read in John chapter 1, verse 12. The Bible says, He, Jesus, gave the right and power to become children of God to those who receive Him. He gave this to those who put their trust in His name. This is one of the ways that the love of Christ is deep. It goes straight into the very core of our identity. God's plan isn't just to love people as they are, but to tell them who God created them to be. And if I ask you this morning, who are you? You would probably reply with your nationality, with your name, with your family, with your profession. Those aspects of your life, those traits, help you explain your identity to other people. But God wants your identity as a child of God to be the central trait of your entire human being. God wants your identity as a child of God to be the central piece on which you base your life at. God wants this identity to serve as an unshakable foundation for your life so that when the storms of life come, when the waves crash over you, when you lose your job, when you lose relatives, when you lose and lose, and apparently there's no more Reuben to be seen, God wants your identity as a child of Christ to be the solid anchor you base your life at. But while this new identity comes as a gift to all of those who believe in Jesus, we have received the right and the power to become children of God. But this gift requires inner transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a very famous verse again. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The way that God wants to give you a new identity isn't just issuing a new passport. Now, this in many ways allows you to have a new life. But deep down, you know that you are still the exact same person. Who loves to watch James Bond and, and, and movies and TV shows about spies? It's amazing. They, they go to a Swiss bank. They go underground. They open a drawer and they have like 20 passports. They can be whoever they want to be for that day. But deep down, they know they're the same person. They haven't changed at all. This new life that God is entrusting us with is not just a new passport. It's a new identity that is built from within. God is not interested in changing the outward appearance. This new identity happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. Paul says the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And thank God that this is good news because if the burden was on us that we had to become new people, it would be impossible. 
The same way that none of us chose to be born, the same way that none of us chose our names, I'm, I think I know a few people that later on in life they changed their names. Sometimes they really don't like the names that <laughs> their parents gave. But usually you stick with it. But the same way that the, that identity didn't depend on you, you're just here. And this is who you are. God has the ability and the power to give you a new identity from within. That's why the Bible says that in order for you to see the kingdom of God, you need to be born again. In order for you to be in this relationship with God, you just don't need to know things about Jesus. You need to allow Jesus to give you a new identity, a new life that will start when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And my friends, this changes everything. The old things are gone. No, you will still have the same birth parents. You will still have the same job and the, the same friends and, and so many things are exactly the same, the same clothes, the same phone, the same car, the same house. But everything is different because you are no longer the same person. You are a new person with a new identity that Christ Jesus freely gave you when you embraced Jesus. So that you do not have to carry all the troubles of the past. You don't need to carry all the heaviness of your story of the past. You don't need to carry traumas and hurt and, and lack of forgiveness in your heart. Because you have a new life that was given to you by Jesus Christ. My friends, this is priceless. And when we announce the gospel of Jesus Christ... We need to explain to people. We need to let them know how deep is the love of Christ. Because it wants to change everything in you. God loves you too much to leave you as you are. As we are, we are not capable of living the life that God called us to be. But praise be to Jesus. That he has given us a new life. Every single day, He breathes new life on us so that we can live for Him and enjoy His love and His presence every single day and for all eternity. Finally, how high is the love of Christ? Let's read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank God there was an amen with me. Christ's love is so high that is able to do far beyond everything that we can ask or think. He is able to do exceeding abundantly. I don't know math so well that I can explain to you what this means. God is able to do exceedingly, 
exceeding abundantly, so abundantly that it exceeds measure. And it exceeds description. Because of Christ's love for us, He is able to do all things. And able to do them super abundantly. Above the greatest thing that we can think of, that we can ask for. Now, who's feeling motivated to go into the presence of God and ask for things? I know that I am. If God can do all of this, I have a... a, a list of things that I want to ask him. Because he is able to do them. And we can go running towards the presence of God and ask for whatever comes to mind. But is that really why Paul is praising God for here? I think that Paul is not simply praising God's amazing ability to answer our requests. The word says, and this sentence I believe is important in this verse, according to the power that works in us. God is able to do exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I believe that Paul is saying that God has greater purposes. God has greater plans for our lives compared to our own. And God has the power to fulfill them as much as he wants to. God has all the power and Paul is praising God for empowering his people exceedingly abundantly above our personal experiences, our possibilities, our resources, our abilities. God is able to do and to dream about our very own lives more than we can do that. Because he's greater. He knows more about ourselves than we actually do. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11. Again, Paul is saying, so we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I believe Paul is telling the church, I am praying for you. Not that you will have nice things in life. Not that you're just successful. Not that just you get the things that you want out of life. But that you may be able to live according to the faith that you proclaim. And that God gives you power to accomplish his purposes for your life. This dimension of the gospel, this dimension of, of Christ's love, is understanding that whatever it is that you're planning for your life, Whatever it is that you think your life is all about, God has greater and bigger purposes for you. God knows and has dreams of things that he wants to accomplish in your life. It may sound strange for you and me because we think that's our job. 
We think that's our responsibility, and God's responsibility is to bless whatever we choose to do. But what Paul is saying here, the reason why Paul is praising the Most High God is that God has purposes and dreams that are much, much bigger and greater than anything that you can think of. Even things that you think about in God's kingdom, God is able to dream even bigger. And he is able to fulfill them because he has all power. A power that is exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. The gospel changes you from within and empowers you to live a life that goes exceedingly above anything that we can imagine possible. God has purposes and dreams for you that he wants to share with you. You might feel that you're stuck. You might feel that you are not worthy. You might feel that you don't have abilities. You don't have possibilities. You don't have the upbringing. You're not this. You're not that. You're not that other thing as well. But God's power at work in your life. God wants you to know with God with God, nothing will be impossible. This is a reminder that is in Luke 137. If you have a physical Bible, if you have a digital Bible, I want you to highlight this verse. I want you to write it, to have it in your wallpaper on your computer. If you want to have it in the wallpaper of your living room or your bedroom, do it as well. It's fine. But I want you to remember that the God that we serve is limitless. For nothing with God is impossible. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to ask the worship team to come. God's love is so wide. It's so long, it's so high, it's so deep. Imagine the work that I had to try to do this week, not to preach for two hours above everything that I found about the greatness of Christ's love. As Yeva said when she shared her testimony, there's a lot more that she still needs to learn and grow. In her relationship with God. Someone, a Christian that is honest in in his 30s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Will say the exact same thing. There's so much more to God. Than what sometimes we're interested in receiving from him. But God's love, Christ's love needs to be the foundation of our lives. The gospel, we need to constantly go back to it and appreciate it and examining it from all angers and understand the fullness of the works of Jesus for our lives because that's the only way that we can live the gospel. We will not be able to live what we do not understand. But thank the Lord that we have the Spirit of God with us. And Paul was praying that we can only understand the greatness of Christ's love 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to pray right now. As we continue to live our lives with our challenges, with our victories, with everything that there is, may this be the desire that God grows more and more inside our hearts. Not to be satisfied with the shallow understanding of Christ's love, but allow this love to grow deeper and deeper in us. And as we learn from it, as we examine it from all angles, may our relationship with Jesus be more and more profound as well. Lord Jesus, we're grateful to be in your presence and for everything that your great love has accomplished for us. We never met a love like yours. And it still astounds us to know that you have chosen us to reveal your amazing love. A love that is patient and kind and faithful like no other. Lord, we don't want to live with a shallow faith any longer. We want to be challenged by you to go deeper in our understanding, in our relationship with you. Lord, will you speak through your spirit to every heart in this place and allow us to understand the steps that we need to take in order to, to do exactly that. Father, I pray that if there are lives this morning here that are facing this danger of sinking in shallow waters, Lord, give us the power and the ability to turn that ship around. And Lord, and as we go and we move into deeper waters, Lord, may we find you. And may we experience the greatness of your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name.